Well, hey, Cliff, do you want to introduce our guest today? Yes, of course. <laughs> Damn it. No, we've got to come up with a different way to do that. What do you normally eat? Uh, yes, of course. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. Or yes, for sure. For sure. That's it. For sure. Or definitely. <laughs> uh, um, yes, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. Wait, wait, wait. Hey, welcome to Pulling Threads, everybody. Hey! What's up? How's everybody doing t- this fine oh. day, evening? Evening. Morning. It's, it's... <laughs> I wonder when people think we record these. We record we should just tell at 826 them. on a... Is this Tuesday night? On a Tuesday yes, night. Yes, on a Tuesday night. Uh, and we, we did the interview this past Sunday. We talked to Carter. You're going to hear from Carter mm-hmm. today. Uh, Great interview. Yeah. I was really super, looking forward to it. Super smart dude. Yeah. I guess he's super smart. Yeah. Smart dude? Just smart dude? Can I say smart dude? He's a super dude. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> he's a dude. <laughs> he's definitely a dude. Uh, you got it, dude. <laughs> is, that, is that a copyrighted phrase? We're going to cease and desist <laughs> on that one for sure. Uh, anything we need to tell everybody before we, we start here? Nope. Just keep... Playing it up. <laughs> <laughs> like and share. Yeah. We have a special announcement for you guys at the very end of this uh, episode. President Obama will be joining us. <laughs> Again. I just spoiled it. <laughs> Again. <laughs> With Michelle this time. Uh, very excited uh, about that one. Be our third married couple. <laughs> just uh, normal married couple. All right. T- tell me a, a kind of sound effect you want to hear to go to Carter's interview. Hmm. I like the dream sequence, but... Yeah, the keep harp? it classic, Nate. Do-do-do-do. Harp is fine. <laughs> Cliff, tell us who we have today. Um, so today we have a uh, colleague of mine, uh, Carter uh, McClung. So uh, probably about, what, three or four weeks, Carter, I'm sure we're going to come full circle around to this, but I, I was looking at Facebook and I came across a long post from Carter, and essentially, uh, much like I did on Facebook, Carter came out of a closet. It was a different closet than the one that I came out of, and he let um, the Facebook world know that he was an atheist. And, you know, you've been in the district a long time. You've built relationships with the community. And, and um, I know how difficult uh, a decision like that is. And you handled it gracefully with a sense of maturity. You seem to be handling things a whole, uh, very healthy. And I'm not getting much anger from you. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll, of course, let you uh, talk more about that later. All right. Well, Carter... Thanks for being yeah, here. Yeah, thanks. We really We're appreciate excited it. you're here. Yeah. I guess I should wait to thank you until afterwards. <laughs> I don't know how well this is going to go. Well, and, and I want to thank you guys because I, this is something I didn't know that I needed. It's been awesome because just hearing other people's stories has been so important for me. You know, it's kept some of the, the bitterness down and kept some of the, the lonesomeness uh, down. And that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to share my story is to do for other folks what, what you guys did for me. So, oh. 
Well, that part's staying in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that, it's mm. great to hear you that's say cool. those that and, and those exact words because that's exactly like our mission for this yeah. podcast. That was our goal. I think that's our mission statement, right? Yeah. To yeah. Yeah, create a safe to, place. Yeah. And thank you for that, Carter. Yeah. So this will be our last episode. It's been a great <laughs> run. Uh, we've, we've now fulfilled our purpose. No. Yeah. Uh. So can you tell us a little bit about your sweater? So... Um, I grew up in a denomination of Christianity called uh, Church of Christ. Um, now, if you ask anyone in the Church of Christ, the Church of Christ is not a denomination. It is like the church. And by the way, before I like crap all over the Church of Christ, I want to say that like the traditional Church of Christ versus like a Church of Christ that you're probably going to wander into, you know, nowadays is very different. But traditionally, um, Churches of Christ basically said that they are the only church. Um, if you go to a small town, sometimes you'll see a sign that says, the Church of Christ meets here. Mm-hmm. The implication being, this is the only church in this town. The, the good news for me is that part of the Church of Christ never really like got its nails into me, and, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but I just wanted to give you that background. Um, you know how every church has like, the church kid. I was the church kid. Something else you need to know about me is I'm, I'm very heady. Okay. I'm very like intellectual in both the positive and negative connotation of that. In Bible school or Bible class, I was always the one who knew what the answer was. And in our denomination, uh, baptism is a very important thing in the church of Christ. And when you get baptized, that's when you get the Holy Spirit. That's when, like, salvation is like, you got it. Um, making the decision to get baptized is, is a big deal. Um, but I remember pretty early, Bible teachers were like, hey, you uh, believe, repent, be baptized. One, two, three. Okay, I got it. You know, I talked to my family. I was like, I, I get it. I've believed. I've repented. Now let's go. Um, I got baptized, I think, at the age of 10, pretty much. I mean, before then and uh, pretty much moving forward, I was always serving in the church. I was just always doing stuff. Um, Where Can I ask a question? Yeah, go ahead. So you're busy doing a lot of things for the church. What's going on, like, internally? Are you... Does that make sense? Like, are yeah. you passionate? I don't know. We've so, discussed how individualistic some, you know, paths of Christianity can be. Well, it, it was it was different at different times. And so I, especially in my, my teenage years, in my early college years, I was very, very, very passionate about... Um, about my relationship with Jesus and very just all in like, you know, uh, and it's funny because like, even like my teenage rebellion was like out fundamentalisting my fundamentalist (laughs) church. Like, like uh, I'll, I'll talk about this a little later, but like the whole, like no instruments thing, like, you know, my church was pretending to be like super, like we're gonna follow the Bible, and I'm like Psalms, Revelation, 
Like, we really going to go with the no instruments in the Bible? Okay. But all that to say, like, I was very serious about, like, having this relationship and having it be something that's genuine and really reflecting what the church is supposed to be. Another part of my sweater um, is I, I'm a, I was a big absolute truth guy. So remember, I'm, I'm, I'm the math guy, right? Two plus two equals four. Absolute truth exists, right? And that, that was kind of a defining feature of who I was, is that I believed that you know, there was such a thing as absolute truth. Maybe we're not there. Maybe we don't understand what the truth is, but I believed that it existed. And that was an important thing um, for me. So that's, that's probably a good not short summary of my sweater. <laughs> no, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah, that's good. I'm assuming, you know, I grew up Southern Baptist, so of course to you we were all going to hell. But I'm guessing in in your, not denomination, but in your only church that exists, your experience was maybe a little more than typical, right? Because you were kind of like... The church boy. Yeah, like e- even more than the average Church of Christ yeah. youth. Yeah, so... So I'd say in, in one sense, yes. In one sense, no. Like in one sense, like it's not that I, I didn't necessarily buy into all of the doctrine, but I was, I was all in as in terms of like, if, if you talk to people in my youth group, um, and this sounds obnoxious to say, but like, if you ask like, who, who's the most spiritual person in your youth group, they probably would have said me. And I, I, again, that's not like a, a bragging thing. That's just like a, like that was the reputation that, was that I had. Yeah. Yeah. So you've told us a little bit about your sweater. What, what were some of the threads that you started pulling in your sweater? So I remember one of the first, one of the first times that I started questioning faith at all, um, you know, first of all, you, you have that moment, everyone does, every person of faith has that moment where they need to go from a belief that has been given to them to forming their own beliefs. And for me, I remember that process really kind of starting uh, around middle school, early high school. And I remember my school had a really cool thing where um, for the, they, they had a biology class paired up with an English class. So you had all of the same kids um, going to this English class and this biology class, and they knew that we were about to study evolution. And they knew that evolution for a lot of people was a big can of worms. And um, we, uh, so at the same time we were studying evolution, we were reading Inherit the Wind. Have any of y'all read that? Um, it's a play, and it's basically about the Scopes monkey trials. Basically, the trials about, like, are, are we allowed to teach evolution in schools uh, kind of thing. And, you know, so I'm having all of this wrestling with fundamentalism, right? Like, is the Bible literally true? Is, you know, you know did we evolve from some common ancestor, all this stuff? And, you know, in my mind, like, I'm having to pick one or the other. But, and at the end of Inherit the Wind, there's this moment where he puts his, uh, 
his copy of uh, Origin of Species in the trunk, and next to it in the trunk is his Bible. So, like, he's a believer, um, but he's also, he believes in evolution. And in my mind, I don't know why this is logical at all, but I was like, you can do both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because, again, like, I, I've always been... I won't say that I'm a rational person, but I like rationality. Is that is that fair to say? Like, uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't claim that I'm like more rational than other people because like my wife would disagree with that. Um, but um, but I like rationality, and and rationality appeals to me. Um, so so evolution made sense to me. Yeah. And it but it was one of those things where I was sitting there going like, is this okay? You know, and my mom also grew up Church of Christ, and she grew up in a very strict version of Church of Christ. Can't dance, can't, um, you know, for, for a while you couldn't wear uh, pants to church if you were a woman. Like, um, so it, it's funny, like generationally, like we, we got like less and less and less extreme versions, but she was comfortable with the idea of, you know, well, a day doesn't necessarily mean like a literal day, you know, a day could be a thousand years, all that, all that kind of stuff. And so I didn't get a lot of like pushback uh, on that mm-hmm. in, in my house, which was, which I'm very grateful for. Um, my mom was very good at letting me kind of explore and, and do that on my own. But, um, but I, but this was also the same summer. I remember we read Edith Hamilton's mythology. I think I have the thought that a lot of people have when they look at um, those kind of things where they go, okay, so why is this mythology, but the Hebrew stories are true and I'm going to base my life on them. And I don't know that I got like a good answer to that, Um, but like those questions started popping up and, I kind of went, I don't know. Um, (laughs) And right about this time that I I had this big, you know, kind of questioning time, I was also very depressed, like bummed out. Just, I I remember having kind of this angsty thought, like, the sum of life is pain. Um, So like, why, why even go on if the sum of life is pain? And how old are you around this time? Um, this is this is still around like freshman sophomore <laughs> year. Uh, okay. I told you I have very mature thoughts. Yeah, no, yeah. no. This is this is probably around you know middle school, early freshman year. Um, still though, same thing. <laughs> still, that's pretty uh, young to have those kind you know. of thoughts. The sum of life is pain. <laughs> yeah. The the rationality you talked about being rational that became a huge um, hurdle for me. I couldn't. I couldn't get over just the the rationality and predictive nature of the theory of evolution. Like you can see that play out and see that, okay, this is based in scientific research. This is based in evidence that they've found and evidence that they can predict. And so to me, that became so much more of something I could actually, it felt more tangible. It really, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to use the word tangible for this concept, but yeah, it absolutely was tangible to me. I could like empirically see this is true and this has been tested versus this other thing. And it had always, because they had always been diametrically opposed uh, in their presentation to me, 
that also presented this crisis of faith again. It was kind of, of an, another another turning point for me um, was that very issue. But you just have to have faith like a child, Nathan. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> right? That, that became... I would talk to smart people mm-hmm. and I would ask them, how do you bridge that gap? Mm-hmm. And that was their answer. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's just blind faith. And I, I read, you know, Francis Collins, director of the NIH, and he was, uh, he led the Human Genome Project. So renowned scientist. And so I read his book, The Language of God, because I read his book hoping he would show me the way to bridge that gap. And again, I, the answer ended up being just blind faith, like to, to bridge that gap. And so, yeah, that, that to me, that part of your story really resonated with me. A lot of folks, when they, when they deal with people with doubts or people who are on the other side of that, um, they assume that we haven't sought out apologetic sources. They, they assume that we, we weren't looking for answers. And the thing is, we, we were you know, I didn't want to leave the church. I didn't want to leave the church. The church was everything to me. It was, it was my family. It was my friends. It was my purpose. It was my creative outlet. Um, so it, this was not something I wanted to leave. This was, this was not something that I was like, this is going to be a plus for my life. <laughs> um, I don't drink. I all these things like, oh, well, you just want to go party. You obviously don't know me. Um, <laughs> but I, I would seek out these apologetic sources, and they'd be garbage. It'd just be garbage. And the more that I would study, you know, um, you know, cognitive science and look at at different logical fallacies and and all of that stuff, I'm like. This is just full of holes. This is full of holes. And I understand that, you know, if you're a person of faith, at some point you have to say, well, just believe. But, you know, it's, it's hard when, when you, you look at things that are tested and you see them bear fruit in your, in your life and you see these other things that are not tested and not testable um, and you don't feel like they're bearing fruit in your life. Um, I, I don't think it seems unreasonable at some point to want something, some, some, some bit of evidence um, to, to back that up. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this, Carter. So I feel like what you just said sounds like it's a little bit more of a recent happening, right? And you had just talked about, like, you know, when you were a freshman in high school. So... Are there other like significant threads that kind yes, of got yes, you yes. to the place that you just talked about? I'm I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to to jump off a cliff there. No, 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 um, no, no. But, I, I think it would just help the listener to know, like, okay, well, something so, had to have happened to get him to that point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna finish a story that I was saying earlier. You know, I'm in like the sum of life is pain. Okay, so this yeah. is where my head's at. I'm kind of depressed. I don't think clinical depression. Just you know, I was. There were some times where I was bummed out in high school and I was bummed out in college. Um, but the same English class that we did uh, that play, um, we had a project and it had that passage from Ecclesiastes. And it was like a time to kill, a time to heal, all that stuff. And we had to do kind of this mock debate or whatever, or I guess just debate 
on whether that passage was pessimistic or optimistic. And I was tasked with showing that it was optimistic. I remember at the time really digging into this and really doing my best to show that it was optimistic. And I, I did such a great job, I convinced myself. Um, <laughs> but I, like seriously, I had this thing of, okay, everything happens for a reason, which I think is something that a lot of Christians, it's a, is a great source of strength and comfort to them, is the idea that even the bad things in life have purpose. And so you could see where I could take this the sum of life is pain, and then twist it around and say, all of these bad things that I'm going through have um, have a, a good that's going to come out of it. I maybe don't know what it is right now, but you know, God's going to take your mess and turn it into a message. You know, whatever. Um, and the the reason I bring this up is that's what stopped my questioning. It wasn't that I got answers; it was that I didn't want answers anymore. I wanted to have meaning, and I wanted to have hope. Um, And that would be a a pretty common thread throughout this, is I would question and then say, I don't want to question anymore, and I would stop. (laughs) Um, Like a child. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. So some other threads. Um, One was any time that I was working inside the church. That's always difficult. I think, so all of you at some point were like working inside the church, right? Like, so yeah. this is something y'all can all kind of relate to. And I, I think there is something about being inside and seeing like how the gears run uh, behind the scenes where everything gets a little less mystical. I, I don't want to sound like there was any like particular minister or whoever that was just like not good. Like, cause, cause I, um, even when I had disagreements and stuff, there was no one person who I just looked at and was like, you're scum. So I hate God. Like, um, but so that was a part of it. Uh, when I, when I did my internship, uh, in the summer and then later when I would be more of a, like when I would be working, you know, as a minister with the church, something else I remember was I started learning a lot about statistics. So I started teaching statistics my um, first year um, of teaching. And I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton about it when I started. It was one of those things that, uh, that you know, happens to us teachers sometimes where they say, <laughs> we don't have anyone to teach this class, so uh, you need to study up real hard. And so over the next, you know, several years, I I wound up teaching statistics for almost um, 12, 13 years. Um, I started learning a lot about it. So remember, math is all about absolute truth, right? Well, statistics is not about absolute truth. (laughs) Statistics is about um, probability and uncertainty and saying, how much evidence do you need before you say, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and say it, this is true and this is not true. And when you study the statistics and then someone gives you these arguments about, you know, what's the probability that this, 
that all of this could occur by natural chance. And you're like, well, actually, you know, um, <laughs> I, I, I tried never to be that guy. But in, on the inside, when I, I, when I got those arguments, you know, I had the tools to kind of say, no, no, that's not a good argument here. And um, it was funny, even the more I learned about math, I, again, we're, we're, we are deep into nerd territory here. But <laughs> if you study math, there's these things called axioms. And these axioms are just assumptions. And math is built on assumptions. So whenever people say, well, math is, well, math is true. Two plus two is four. And it's like, well, you can say two apples plus two apples is four apples, but are they all identical apples? Like, you know, it's all a model. It's all based on assumptions. Some of those assumptions are useful. Some of those assumptions are helpful. But pretending like this is some like absolute truth, um, like even like little things like that, where I used to be so certain I used to be so sure. It just seemed like everything in my life was less certain than it used to be. Like, you, you grow up learning divorce is wrong, and then you, you meet this woman whose spouse has been abusing her. And you're like, oh, hmm, is divorce wrong? And like that certainty just started getting eroded just bit by bit, both in like my spiritual life and, I, again, the... I know the math thing sounds nerdy, but it was just part of my overall oh, yeah. shift in thinking. I think it says a lot when you, when you talk about the math aspect. I think it puts a lot of pieces of the puzzle together. Well, even someone who's not math, math lead over here. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think people have thoughts of like, okay, two plus two equals four, but like who made up two and who made up four? You know, like that's kind of the basic person's way of saying that maybe but no no i i mean i have so basic like that that's exactly what it is it's like we need to hang our hats on the fact that two plus two equals four we need some certainty that we can rely on and when you get you know when you start pulling threads and things start coming apart it's it's super scary it's not a comfortable place to be and it infiltrates all like all aspects of your life which you're kind of showing you know yeah yeah Something else that I remember happening, I, I got to this point where I started relating to either progressive Christians or former Christians better than I related to, you know, the, the staunch believers, right? Um, and that's really tough because you're like, you know, do I want to be a Christian, you know? Uh, and by the way, I want to I wanna say this, like, there's so many awesome Christian people in my life that I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to crap on on Christians here. I'm just saying that that there were a lot of people that I really respected and looked up to who lost their faith, and you you it, it makes you scratch your head and go, okay, can I really walk this line that I'm trying to walk right here? Um, and that's something that I kept running into. So uh, Carter, after I came out. Uh, when I when I came out on Facebook, I still remember your comment specifically. Like there are certain comments, and there were a lot of comments, um, but yours stood out uh, because it's like I could read. And Nathan and I have talked about this quite a bit. I could read through somebody's comment, 
and know exactly where they where they are. Like some were just uh, we still love you, um, which has its own little hidden meaning. Um, not all of us are with sin, you know, like <laughs> things like that. Yours was um, one of the. You said something to the effect of one of these days you're not going to have to, or a person in your situation is not going to have to share this publicly. And, um, and, and, and you, you went on to, to just say, I understand. And, and, and you gave me just all best, best wishes and what, and, and all that. And so I just remember having that moment like, Oh, okay. Carter's like on, on my side here, you know? And, um, and not too long after that, after I began uh, becoming pretty vocal on, on Facebook just with all of my ranting. Cause again, anger still, still in the angry phase. I wonder, I'm kind of stalled there for now. Um, but you sent me a Facebook message and you just told me about how you were, you know, beginning to deal with your own struggles and with your own faith. And, and, um, and then I, months went by and then all of a sudden here's this, here's this Facebook uh, long Facebook uh, post of yours, just letting everybody in your world know. Um, again, as I said, you came out as an atheist. What, what were the events? What caused you to unravel things so quickly that led to that post? So I read this book um, called uh, The Righteous Mind. And one of the things that it talks about in there is that your rational mind f is not leading your emotions. Your emotions are leading your rational mind. And for most of my life, even though my rational mind was sitting here going, this doesn't make sense, my heart was saying, but it feels right. You know, it feels right and it's, it's, it, it makes your life good and all that. And so I'd always wanted to believe and my rational mind always sought that out. Where I really remember that starting to fall apart at my church that I just recently left, um, there was a couple there that I was very close to. We had kind of a young adults class. This couple, would you, I just loved them to death. And then out of the blue, he leaves his wife to go be with a man. I, I didn't know what to do with that. Um, my relationship with understanding homosexuality was shaky. Um, and, um, you know, I had assumptions that homosexuality might be because of some sort of abuse or, you know, whatever. I'm sure y'all have heard all of this from different people. And I'll be honest, from I've my data set, yeah. <laughs> from my limited knowledge base, like, that was not an unreasonable assumption from the people that I knew who were gay. Um, and I, in, in my mind, I was pretty enlightened. I believed in civil unions. I was like, government shouldn't be involved in marriage anyway. Gay libertarian <laughs> Carter over Don't here. get. <laughs> I, I thought, you know, I'm enlightened here, you know. Uh, I, uh, I think gay people should be allowed to have civil unions. I don't think... Um, the church should encourage homosexuality. My experiences with, with gay folks was not one where, where I was giving them support and, and encouraging them. And um, 
And up until then, that, that had been kind of all right with me. And then suddenly, there's this person that I just love to death. And the thing is, like, either that is an inborn part of him that he cannot help, or he is the biggest asshole. Right. Because he just left his wife and and hurt this woman that I care that I also cared very deeply for. And so all of a sudden I'm having to re-wrestle with this. Um and so this is a big thing where my rational mind is saying, okay, I need to find a way that this is okay. So I'm no longer, like, I still want to be a Christian, but I also need a way for homosexuality to be okay because my friend is not an asshole. Um, you know how, like, when you buy a certain type of car, suddenly everyone has that type of car? <laughs> All of a sudden, I saw gay people. And I think part of it is people started coming out more and all this. Um, being a teacher, there's, you're, you're going to have gay students. I had two students who I cared about deeply. Some of my favorite students who came out as trans. Um, and I, and again, you make these assumptions about gay folks and trans folks and whatever when you're not living life with them. I'm fine. If, if again, if somebody's faith gives them hope on earth and in the afterlife and gives them a sense of peace, good. But when tenets of their faith harm other people and put people in hell on earth, living a hell on earth, stuffing them into a closet of self-hatred and shame, then I think that that takes that theory and, 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 and I don't know, I don't know the correct terminology, but there's something very selfish and incomplete and incongruent. Um, so, so Cliff, that's, that's the thing. And, and so part of me, again, these questions that I'd been asking had not been answered. And part of me said, what's the harm? What's the harm, and then all of a sudden, there was harm. As I was kind of preparing for this interview and I was looking back at stuff, I, and I was like, okay, well, when, when did I change? And the thing is, I didn't change. Since I've been a little boy, I've, one of the things I've striven, uh, striven, that's not a word, that I, that I strive for is goodness, doing the right thing, being a, a person of integrity, and before, like, all of that was wrapped up in Christianity, and now all of a sudden, Christianity was a barrier to me acting with integrity. Like, I was forced to say, okay, believing things in the Bible is making me act in an unloving way, and it's hurting people. And especially once I started... <laughs> when you're a teacher, you care about your students a whole lot. And whenever you start thinking that um, I'm, I'm hurting these kids, like, no. This was about 10 years ago. And I would say it was about maybe five years ago where I got to the, 
the point where I would, you know, I, I tried on progressive Christianity for a while. Um, I really tried to make that work for me. I actually, in, in my Bible class, I said, you know, I, I came out as not a fundamentalist. And I think that took my wife by surprise at the time. I remember her going, we haven't talked about this. <laughs> Again, I was finding any way to make it work. Because whenever I came out to my wife as like, I'm struggling with this, she started uh, breaking down, bawling. So what happens if I'm an atheist for real? Like, what if, what if this becomes like a permanent situation? I'm going to lose my wife, you know, and at some point, you know, we had kids and I'm like, are, you know, are these kids going to lose their daddy? Like, so I'm just gonna say no, I'm just not going to. Um, this is, this is another rabbit hole, but something that's been a great comfort to me in this time has been the musical, um, the Book of Mormon. I don't know if y'all had that same <laughs> thing, but there's this song, turn it off. So just, if you're having doubts, if, or if you're gay, or if whatever, just, just don't doubt anymore. Because that's something that a human being can do. Um, perfectly healthy, too. Decided. Just perfectly oh, healthy. Oh, yes. Very good for your... For no, your bad, no bad fruits at all on that tree. <laughs> just nothing but good fruit. But I think some of it is also self-preservation. I mean, for people, like you're saying, you, you don't want to damage your relationship with your wife. You, you don't want to harm your relationship uh, with your kids. And so for you, self-preservation was trying to shut that out, right? Because you, you, you can't be intellectually honest with yourself because of, that, because of where it may lead. Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that very thing. I would say that you've kind of uh, have approached the most difficult part of your journey. This was the most excruciating part. This is, this was the part where sometimes I would wake up in physical pain because of just the mental gymnastics that I was doing. So the Church of Christ is, and like historically they are a cappella. And that's a big thing. And I always was pretty convinced that that was bullshit. Um, and so I'd been playing instruments in the church since I was a teenager. Um, but finally, this church that I was going to was going to have an instrumental service. So who is the most equipped person to lead this new instrumental service? Well, that's me. I know I said before that I'd been very involved in the church, but um, now I was very involved. Um, at some point, they decided that with the amount of work that I was doing, that they wanted me to be like, a, like I was basically already on staff at that point, part-time, um, but they decided to pay me, which felt real dirty, felt real wrong. Um, and you know, I'm up there and I'm, you know, I'm leading the prayer with my eyes closed and, you know, doing the emotional priming for the sermon. And again, little, 
you know, want to be a good boy Carter is just screaming. It's like, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is dishonest. And the other part of me, it's like, is leaving your kids without a daddy um, good? Is that, is that the result that you want? Is that what, is that what you're going for? Um, so I did this for, I, my, my timeline's off, but probably about three years. So there were two big ending catalysts. Um, so one, and I, I hate to use this as a catalyst, but I think it's honest. Um, my dad died uh, real suddenly a couple years ago. It's weird. I think a lot of people think that as an atheist, you you lose something there because it's like, so you think you'll never see him again? I'm like, yeah, he's dead. Um, but I, I really did still have a lot of peace there where I could just think about the good times that we'd had and just think about the memories that we, we made together. Um, but there was a part of me that you know, you start to think about your mortality and you start to think, am I really going to keep this part of me secret for the rest of my life? And I th thought, is this going to be 30 years? Is this going to be 50 years? Because this is only going to get worse if I tell someone later. Like, there's never going to be a good time for this. Um, so I think my dad's death, in a sense, put that in perspective, like, am I really going to do this until I die? Um, and then the second one, and this was, this was the last straw. Um, my uh, pastor at my church did, a, by the way, still good friend of mine. Um, he did this sermon, and as a part of the sermon, in this now very progressive service, remember, this is, this is not the old people service. This is the mm -hmm. progressive service. He condemned homosexuality in it. And he did it in the lightest possible terms. The absolute lightest possible terms. If, like, but he wanted to say, that this is what the Bible says about stuff. And then after the sermon... Well, what is, what is the music pastor's job at that point? You, you start playing the music and do the emotional priming to, to get everyone ready to accept those words. And now I'm an accomplice. I can't bullshit my way out of, I am not, this isn't hurting anyone. Um, and I don't remember why, but my wife wasn't there that day. Um, and so I bawled all the way home. And I told my wife when I got home, I'm done. I'm an atheist. I'm not, I'm not going to be attending church anymore. That is, that is not something that I'm going to do. Um, and... She was pissed, not because I was an atheist, not because I was an atheist. She was pissed because I had not been honest with her. I had not been open with her, which is, I think, a fair thing. Um, again, I, I had my reasons for that, but I did not show a lot of trust there. 
So I know this is probably, uh, you know, delicate and sensitive, um, but I think it would help a lot of people if you don't mind talking about it. Can you talk about that and how you navigated uh, your relationship with your wife? Um, well, what I would like to claim is that my awesomeness pulled us through. <laughs> um, however, that tracks. Um, I really feel like it was my wife who really stepped up. As far as our relationship goes, I didn't think it was possible, y'all. <laughs> I thought I thought that it was going to ruin stuff. I thought it was going to ruin everything. I thought she was going to... I didn't think that she would initially leave me. I didn't think it would be like, boom, you know, she's gone. Um, I figured she would, would give it a chance and then, but the, the differences would be too much. And so she'd be out the door or I, I don't, I didn't see me being the one to initiate that. Maybe I didn't give her enough credit. Um, it's, it's been amazing y'all like, um, we, we find that common ground. We find the place where, you know, I still want my kids to be good people. You know, I, um, I'm not trying to interfere with their religious education because that's not, that's not the, that's not the why. That's not the purpose behind this. At, at some point they're going to ask me questions and I'm going to, I'm going to give them honest answers. Um, but I'm not going to actively try to cram stuff down their throats. Um, I think in every relationship uh, with, you know, where there's a mom and a dad, there's some stuff that, you know, well, that's a mom thing and that's a dad thing. And the kids are smart. They figure it out. They, they go, okay, well, daddy, um, I think the word my daughter uses is he lost his faith. Daddy lost his faith. Um, and, um, she knows that she's not going to come to me necessarily with that kind of stuff. Um, she may come to me later, you know, when she starts having doubts and questions, and I'm not going to try to stoke those doubts and, 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 and force her to lean into those questions. Uh, but I will be there to, to, to answer that. Um, there's still tenderness there. Um, there's still some soreness between my wife and I. I, I try not to, to poke her with a stick about stuff very often. Um, we had a rough moment in the car. Uh, my son has been going through a, I want to do X because I want to be like daddy. I want to do this because I want to be like daddy. I want to do, I want to play piano because I want to be like daddy. And just as a matter of formula, um, at one point, he's, he was like, I want to be like daddy. And I think P Penny said something like, well, are you going to not go to church and be like daddy? And he's like, yeah, I want to be like daddy and not go to church. And that was a rough moment in our car. Um, and I think that's always something that might be there. I mean, always is a long time. Uh, I don't know um, where Kathleen will be in 
10, 20 years. Um, I do know, and what I want the, what I want to make sure people understand is it's possible. And I'm not actively trying to sabotage her faith because that is not important to me. Uh, um, what's, what's important to me is the, the love that we have and the life that we share. Um, I, I want to be her helper. I, um, you know, I, I want her to do life with me. Um, so it's not easy, but it's possible. Well, and, and again, just right there, and you've been alluding to this, it is often fear. It's another parallel. It's often fear that keeps somebody from just coming out of that closet and, and just being honest with themselves and others. And just like in my case, just like Ra- Rachel Maddow said to Pete Buttigieg, that, that it's a lot. It, it's difficult being in the closet. Or no, it's difficult being out of the closet, but it's far more difficult being inside uh, the closet. And I didn't realize that was true until I came out of the closet. So perhaps you're experiencing a little bit of that, that it was fear all that time. And you're realizing it's still tough. It's still tender, but it's possible. Yeah. I was thinking that too, like, uh, kind of what Cliff just said. I mean, I'm while this does pose challenges for your relationship, it, it has to be liberating and freeing to be able to be your true self with your wife and have her accept you know, accept you as you are and, and vice versa as well. It's, it's, it's been better for, for both of us. Um, I, I, I guess I, well, I can't speak for her. Um, but what I do, what, what I do get from her is that she loves that I'm open with her about stuff. Again, I don't need to be, I don't need to be an asshole about, about, religious stuff. Like I don't, I, I still don't like, I, I don't desire that. Serves no um, purpose for you. Um, occasionally I, I will say frustrations about toxic things that come out of that. And the thing is like, I'm open about that now. And 90% of the time she's with me, you know, that's, that's where she's at too. She knows that you know, there are people who are poisoning the well as far as, as all that goes. And she is on board. Whew. Nay, I'll let you close for a second in just a second. Like you normally do. I'd just say Carter. Um, I think a lot of just because, uh, I'm somewhat familiar with your life and, and, and the reputation that you have, um, formed in the community of, of which we both teach and, I know a lot of people are going to be interested in hearing your story, hearing your journey. And, and again, just like in your Facebook post, I just think that the way that you express your your heart in a very mature, very – there's even just this compassion to it, like um, a compassion that I haven't found yet <laughs> myself, <laughs> but um, just a kindness. And I've said – you know, I said it in Nathan's episode, and I feel it's very appropriate here as well that I, I don't think – that the earth, that the world needs more Christians. I think the the world needs more Carters. Uh, you're one of the kindest, funnest, um, well-meaning people that I know. And uh, I just for me, I appreciate you coming on today and, and sharing a, this difficult part of your journey. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the present. Uh, that was that was Carter's very heady talk. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. There was a lot in there that uh, spoke to me personally. Just struggles that I had. Um, yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Definitely. Uh, me too. For sure. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I had to <laughs> ruin it. <laughs> Oh, so, wow. Cliff, before the uh, before the interview, you said uh, you had a special announcement. What what were you going to well, tell we everybody? Do. Uh, yeah, we are going to take a short break, um, and we're going to step back and just kind of regroup. And we are going to take a break, but then we'll have we've got some ideas for some smaller episodes we'll release. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, one of the things we want to do is kind of hear from people and talk to people and find out. Our, our our mission is really to serve, right? Like we want this to, to serve a purpose and mm-hmm. to be beneficial for people. And so we want to figure out, you know, how we can best do that. And yeah. so we're going to talk to people. And and again, I, I want to thank everybody who kind of goes out of their way. And even if you don't have to go long out of your way, but who, who you know, I, I have random people mm-hmm. message me or stop me, you know, whether it's at work or all the time just to tell me, that they listen to the podcast and how much it's helped them and how much they enjoy it. I mean, things like that. I mean, I got stopped by a random lady on the street the other day and she showed me a pulling threads tattoo she got. Wow. We're really after my episode. Yeah, it was crazy. Are you lying? We're really doing it here. <laughs> I mean, you have to know I'm lying, no. right? Uh, Please <laughs> tell me you know I'm lying. Uh, that would be awesome. So anyway, yeah, this wraps up season one of Pulling Threads, guys. You made it all the way through one full so season. So are, are, are we calling it that? Are we calling it a season? I think that, so. That sounds awesome. I love that. That's very Downton what, Abbey. What does a seamstress do when they finish a... Oh, well, I don't know. Like, What do you call it? What's the official term for that? Need like? to surge the hymns? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Cut the thread. Uh, cut the thread, yeah. yeah. But we'll be back soon, so. Yeah, we 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 actually do. We have some people lined up that we're going to talk to, so we'll we'll have some new episodes coming at you. Mm-hmm. Season two, yeah, season two. <laughs> so while you're uh, waiting on that, make sure you like and subscribe, and hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, wherever you like to do your social meds. <laughs> Oh. I've never said that before in my whole life. Yeah, uh. hopefully that's the only time. Hopefully that's first and last. <laughs> yeah. well, let's hit the okay. hit that uh, outro music on season one. All right. Uh, and we love you. Thanks for listening. And talk to you soon. Love you, See Nate. You. Love you, Megan. Oh, love you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. I think that a lot of people have somebody uh, in their family. <laughs> I was trying. Not, I was trying. I was trying not to look at you. Damn it! It was Nathan. <laughs>